Welcome, my friends, to the special Halloween party edition of Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Now, that's not coming through as well as I had hoped. Did, did you hear, Could you hear that in there? I couldn't hear it as well. Maybe a little better. All right. Well, welcome <laughs> to the show. It is a Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's the program that's about uh, craft beer. Craft Spirits and Fine Cigars. My name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry, and happy Halloween, my friend. Man, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I, yeah, Halloween has always been one of my uh, favorite holidays uh, because you don't have to go visit your parents. You know, it's it, it, pretty much every other <laughs> it's not holiday. a lot of traveling for Halloween. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, it's not like you don't have to go spend it with family, you know? You can just, like, hang out. Have a, the best Halloween I've ever had in my entire life was just spent on the porch drinking wine and passing out candy. That was the best Halloween ever. But uh, You know, this year Halloween's on a Monday. That's yes. not going to stop me. Oh, no. Of course not. Of course not. And I will say this, too, from working you know, through the years as a DJ in nightclubs and, and stuff like that, Halloween was always our biggest drinking holiday. Mm-hmm. Now, I did some research online to see if it really was the biggest drinking holiday, uh, and they say that New Year's Eve is probably number one, and they even say Fourth of July might be a bigger drinking holiday. Wow. But as far as, as far as in the bar... Halloween, like <laughs> like everything, and the other thing that I love about Halloween is normally very like um, you know just kind of average everyday conservative girls love to wear really sexy Halloween costumes, the stuff they would never wear any other day of the year. But That's a great it's Halloween; excuse, it's a it? license to I'm going to be Tramp Sylvania or whatever. You know, it's like <laughs> so it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so I spent many a Halloween working and happy to be working. Uh, just to, uh, I can just tell you that. Well, welcome to the show. We are going to be uh, uh, doing our Halloween party, of course, and and uh, so we're going to be sampling a lot of Halloween oriented uh, spirits and. And beers. Well, one spirit in particular, and we'll also be uh, sampling uh, some August, uh, not August, some uh, autumn and Halloween themed beers. Uh, plus, we'll be talking with Robert Licorice from Iron Root Distilling. This is one of the interviews that we were able to record while we were at the Whiskies of the World. Uh, and this guy's got a really interesting story and a really interesting new distillery that not a lot of people have heard of. So uh, I think you're going to be really interested in what this guy has to say and how they make their uh, how they make their whiskey. So, so all that coming up, we're going to talk about um, uh, the uh, show Empire and how it is interfacing with the cigar industry. And also I have the list for you of the top five, and we'll tell you how to play the top five Halloween drinking games. That sounds like did so, you bring stuff so we could play the top five drinking you games. You know, I don't know if I have everything we need, but we'll you know we'll improvise. Let's see what we can come up with. It, I have it, a quarter. If nothing else, we can make a drinking game. <laughs> as long as you have a quarter and a shot glass, you can have a drinking games for days. That's right. Uh, so we're looking forward to all of that and it's been a crazy week and a good week. We have some uh, some really cool things coming up on the show in the next uh, several weeks. We're going to be out uh, recording the show live at several really cool locations, so we're excited about that. And Oh, I didn't mention our spirit uh, for this particular show. We're going to be sampling uh, something that I have looked at and almost bought for a long time because, as you know, I'm a big fan of the whole Day of the Dead mm-hmm. artwork and, and stuff like that. And so I finally broke down and bought uh, the tequila that comes in the Day of the Dead skeleton bottle and it's really really cool looking i've been worried it might not be that good just because the bottle was so cool you know what i mean find out so we'll find out today the uh, los azuelos skelly 
Skelly is his name. Skelly. Uh-huh, Skelly. And it's an Añejo tequila, and we'll find out about that today. So a lot of good stuff coming up on the show. But as we get into the cooler temps and uh, as it gets more and more tempting to spend the evenings outside on the porch, on I the balcony, on the back door. Ian, have I you have s- been, absolutely. Have you smoked anything interesting this week? <laughs> Actually, yes. For today... I, uh, let's see, I had a Casada Oktoberfest. Mm, 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 mm. I figured that would be a good one to talk about today. This was a, Those are so good. This was a good cigar. And this yeah. was one of the funny little shapes, too. It had a tapered foot to it, and uh, it lights up really well. So is this the really fat one? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. fat. It, it kind of looks like a weeble. Yeah. So Ian and I were uh, at uh, a place we're going to be doing a live broadcast from soon, uh, McCoy's Cigars, mm-hmm. for a Casada Oktoberfest event uh, this last week. And they this is a special cigar they only make a certain time of year. Is that right? That's right. They do a thousand boxes. Wow. Um, uh, this year and spread them out. Well, we both got some of those, and I think we both really enjoyed them. I bought a box. Yeah. Oh, you bought a whole box? <laughs> yeah, okay. I a box. Well, I had, a mix, house. I had a mix a little bit, but yeah, I did buy a box. And, um, and this particular one was so good. Uh, it's it's a great little cigar. It's a pretty quick smoke, about a half hour, mm-hmm. maybe 35, 40 minutes max. And uh, it's uh, it lights up quickly. It's a little tight on the draw until it opens up. Uh, mm-hmm. Once it opens up, it's got the, the, the wrapper on this thing feels great. It's kind of a leathery kind of feel, which mm-hmm. is nice because you get leathery mocha kind of flavors in this, a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of uh, chocolate to it as well. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. great cigar. It's right right in the medium range. Now, I haven't smoked that shape. I did smoke some mm-hmm. of the other uh, Oktoberfest sizes, and actually I smoked two different ones and found them both to be terrific. Yeah. Would yeah. you would you say this is a, a you know, a, a, a more of an everyday or is this a more of a special occasion somewhere in between? I think this cigar works. The, the price point on this cigar is pretty nice, too. I think it's, yeah. what, a 6 or $7 I think cigar? It's about 6 and a half, For yeah. that size. They had some bigger sizes that were a little more, but um, but that's, you know, price to quality, I think it was real high. I'd put it at 8 or 9 Wow, uh, at that price. It's a premium cigar, but uh, but also very, very approachable. It goes with every beer I've tried. I love that. You know, well, it just goes with beer, and it's well, Oktoberfest, so it's made to. When we were at this event that I mentioned at McCoy Cigars, I actually had a chance to speak with a guy who's like the nephew of Manuel Casada, the yeah. Sada Blends. This guy, like one of the cigar gods of the uh, of the industry, because the blenders are like, you know, those guys are like the brewmasters oh, yes. of cigars. Basically, they're the ones that put the different tobaccos together and achieve whatever flavor. So anyway, I'm talking to this guy as his nephew, and he's telling me that these cigars are actually blended to go, and we're hearing this more and more now, to go with beer. They actually have a little bit of malt flavor in them, mm-hmm. even. Yeah, uh, and it goes well with beer. It goes uh, plus, it also goes well with uh, with whiskey and just you know, in general. You know, Drew Estate's got a whole line now of these brewmaster oriented cigars That's right. That's designed right. to go with and I, specific beers. So. I still have. I think we mentioned it on the show a few episodes ago. I still have my Perdomo that's made to go with, a, I think, an IPA mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that. So, I haven't tried that yet. Well, I also had had one of those with with a beer and found it to just match up real. Yeah, nice. it's a great. It had like a pale ale. I think it was a um, Sierra Nevada right. pale ale, and it was great. Yeah. Well, these these they definitely complement each other really well. So they did a great job making the Oktoberfest this year. It goes great with beer. It's, so yeah. price to quality. What did you say about? Oh, eight or nine. Eight or nine. It's really That's good. Really, really good. good cigar. Well, I got to tell you about. Uh, I had a blockbuster 
this week. It just like really knocked me out. Wasn't expecting that much uh, because it was one of the cigars I mentioned I'd gone to the Stogie's Wingding so you get a bag of right, cigars. Right. So uh, I didn't know what every cigar was in there. I didn't know what this one was until I looked it up because I went, what is this? Um, but it just says Tattoo. On the uh, on the little uh, wrapper, right? And it's not even that fancy of a like. Uh, to be honest with you, I looked at it and I thought, oh, this looks like a just a that's a you know, kind of kind of a filler. <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll I'll smoke this one for now, you know. So I light the thing up and uh, then immediately went and got on the computer to find out what it was and discovered that I was smoking a, uh, a Tatuaje Tattoo Toro. And I'm going to tell you, this thing is. Awesome! It uh, it's got an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan filler. I looked all this up because I was like, "What am I smoking?" Um, it was a flavor bomb. It was an absolute joy to smoke this cigar. Medium to full bodied. It started out really full and peppery, but almost immediately it mellows out a little bit, and then it's just earthy, like mocha coffee. Just very, very complex, tasty, burn like a champ. Um, and here's. I was already really excited about it. I've got to talk about this cigar on the show. So then I went up and went and looked up and realized why I hadn't ever bought any of these. Because um, I'm thinking this must be a really because Tatuaje can be right. a pretty expensive brand. They right? have a full range, right? Yeah. Well, I realized I hadn't tried these because they come in boxes of fifty. Wow! So I hadn't done the math, but when you do, it's about a five dollar cigar. Wow! And I'm like, okay. Price to quality, nine, maybe nine and a half, because <laughs> this is, like, I would have expected, even though it was a Toro, it was a fairly small cigar, I would have expected this to be a $10 cigar. I really would have. At least an eight or nine. And the fact that it was a $5 cigar. But, you know, when you have to buy them in boxes of 50, you're still forking yeah, up, that's... you know, a couple hundred bucks plus. So yep. uh, so that's why I had money. You know? but, uh, but, wow, it was good. I, I was just really thrilled at how enjoyable the cigar was. That's not, I'm gonna have to try one of those. Yes, yeah, I have one left. You so have one left. If, if it's that good, we might have to split that box. Yes, we might have to <laughs> that, see that, and that would be the thing to do. Like split a box, split a box of fifty with a friend. Oh, that makes so, it way more affordable. Yeah, oh, way more affordable, and then you know you you're not like completely jamming your humidor full right. uh, uh, all at one time. So uh, so anyway, highly 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 recommended. A plus plus star. Uh, this is the best cigar I've had in a long time. Right, uh, just just fantastic. So, and if you get too uh, many cigars in your humidor, you just have to get another humidor. Yes, I realize this, and this is this has actually happened before. And, and then I, you have to fill that humidor, and then you have to get another one. I and I know I've got several <laughs> humidors. They're not real big, but I've got several. Oh uh, well, uh, we do have a really big show for you today, as we are going to be tasting a lot of different uh, beers, and we'll be talking with Robert Licorice from Iron Root uh, Distilling, and we'll also be. Um, tasting this uh, skelly, this uh, Los Azuleos, Azuleos uh, skelly Añejo uh, tequila. So that's always going to be, that's all going to be great. So, <laughs> How does a skeleton have a mustache? I don't know. That's a really good question. And how does he change hats? Because the Añejo and the Reposado and the Blanco, he all, one of them he has like a, um, like a pirate bandana on. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll find out how good the Añejo is. Coming up, it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor.
from the first Ghostbusters movie, the one where the Ghostbusters were guys. Uh, that is uh, little Ray Parker Jr. there for you, a little 80s flashback. And you're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. And we're glad to have you on the show. This is the show that's all about um, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. You're going to have to hold that up there to be able to hear it. Oh, there you go. A little Halloween sound effect there. I like that. So did you see the uh, the Ghostbuster movie with with the the lady Ghostbusters? The newest one? Yeah. Did no. you see it? I, I did see not. It. <laughs> I, I, it looked interesting, but, you know. Not for any other reason other than I'm just so lazy about going to see movies. Yeah, well, Netflix, man. Yeah. Netflix <laughs> is the answer I have, to I have, that. I have Amazon Prime and Netflix, so yeah. a lot of times you can actually watch it while it's still in the while theater. While it's still in the theater, which is not a bad deal. Yeah. Well, uh, so anybody that has uh, seen it, how does it hold up to the original? Uh, it's going to be hard to hold up to Bill Murray. That's the only thing I can say. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, there's there may be some funny uh, some funny uh, comedians in this new one, but um, it's just not going to hold up to Bill Murray. There's just <laughs> so it's no pretty way. Classic. There's just no way. Well, it's time to do a little uh, tasting here, my friend. Ah, uh, yeah. So this one comes in a can, as you can tell by that not pre-recorded sound effect. Um, this is our first. Um, autumn and halloween beer that we're going to taste here it is and i've been wondering about this for a long time and i've never sampled it so i'm excited to do this this is the crunken pumpkin or crunken pumpkin i guess it's not not written out pumpkin but a crunken pumpkin from carbach which is uh they've really established themselves as one of the foremost craft breweries in the uh houston area in houston, they have houston. quite a few very good breweries. they really do have some great beers and they're they're very adventurous they uh you know they try a lot of mm-hmm. cool new things and and so uh so i like these guys a lot like a number of their brews but i have not tried the crunken pumpkin so uh you've taken first sip what do you think this is pumpkiny. Mm. It tastes almost like an Oktoberfest with some pumpkin flavors in it. Well, you know, when you put Crunkin' Pumpkin as your name, I mean, it's the, you don't expect the pumpkin to be mild. You expect it to be nope, to have a upfront. real good uh, upfront. It describes itself as seasonal ale brewed with pumpkin and spices. So yeah, the actual pumpkin. The spices linger on this. Like after uh-huh. the aftertaste, the beer kind of goes away quickly, but the spices kind of linger. Now the uh, the can has got a pretty uh, pretty toasty looking uh, yeah. jack o' lantern dude on there, <laughs> and above it in the can it says uh, "Done, Baked, Finished." Nice. Which I suppose, <laughs> you know, is 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 appropriate for this. Um, so this is actually, I think, very good. I, you know, you either like pumpkin ales or you don't. Like our Bobby, our producer, like he's like passing on all the pumpkin ales, not into it. So I, I I like them for taste. Like I don't know if I and these come in a four pack, by the way, not right. a six. Um, but I don't know if I would could sit and drink, you know, a whole lot of pumpkin ales in one. Shot. Although we have had some across the last yeah. couple of weeks on the show, Pumpkin Massacre been, still oh, stands out. Man, that was good. Yeah, that was good. And so we may have some standouts here today. But uh, but overall, what do you think? Uh, you know, this is drinkable. I would split a glass of this. Mm-hmm. It's not something I'd sit down and drink a bunch of, like you said. But it's kind of fun. It's enjoyable though. It's got yeah. a it's got a nice bit of light carbonation that that keeps it from feeling too heavy and pumpkin right. you know what i mean yeah it's got a brightness so, to the finish right, that, comes that off really... a little lighter but the spe- the spices do linger and they're uh, you know they're definitely 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 worth trying if you i feel like when when autumn arrives when you get close to halloween and thanksgiving you have to at least go out somewhere and have one or two have autumn ales because that will help bring you into the sort of holiday time and holiday spirit a little bit you, you know, know i bet this would go good with food 
Oh, I think just it would. Just in general. I think, I think it with would. food, the, like, the more I taste it, the more I think. Like, if you had something to temper it just a little bit, it would probably be very good. There's something about drinking this that does make me think, okay, yeah, the holidays are right around the corner. See, that used to happen to me when I would hear Christmas music. But now you hear Christmas music, like... <laughs> You know, in September. Starting in July, Yeah, right? like it's ridiculous. So so it takes getting to this really for me to go, oh, yeah, it's almost Halloween, and then Thanksgiving and Christmas and Super Bowl. So uh, so that's, that's you know what, the more, I will say this, the more I sip this, the more I like it. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's a, an important thing for, you know, for any kind of specialty uh, beers, I think. Yeah, I did not like it at all, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely growing on me even more. Yeah, it's, no, I it's like more it drinkable the, the more sip, I drink yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Funny, tequila does that to me too. <laughs> I was going to say it isn't exactly how it sounds, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Uh, no, this is actually quite good. In fact, now I'm picking up a, a sort of a creamy, almost like dessert. Like now I'm thinking pumpkin pie with whipped cream on top. Yeah. Sort of a flavor. You know. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's that's really quite good. That's all right. What else did you bring us today? All right. Well, uh, let's delve into here and go ahead and sample another one, if you would be so kind as to open. Now, I want to mention that I've been to this brewery. Uh, they are in Portland, Maine. It is the Shipyard Brewing Company in Portland, Maine. And they make some amazing, um, really just some amazing beers of, of all kinds. I would say they're normal beer outlay is probably six seven different uh different varieties that they market at, at one time and uh they've got an ipa that will uh, knock you on your backside it's like a very high the thing is it's not it was never marketed as like a double or a triple or right. imperial or anything like that it just says shipyard ipa and you go and drink it and you're like whoa <laughs> it'll knock you right back but you know uh, I, but it's very good very i have hoppy. to tell you on all the Oktoberfest beers that we've not Oktoberfest, but uh uh uh, the the but seasonals the, the seasonals yeah October beers the artwork on all of them is so fun like, yeah this one has a, a, a it's got a, the head, headless horseman the headless horseman yeah with the pumpkin head was that a Bugs Bunny oh, yeah. episode where the headless horseman had the pumpkin head was I can't that remember. I don't yeah. you know what that always makes me want to watch though you remember the one where uh, uh, Bugs Bunny goes to the castle and they're going like oh yeah that's Abercapocus yeah. Hocus Cadabra <laughs> and it's got Walla Walla Washington thing yeah. <laughs> I think we just revealed how old we are just now. Uh, so, all right. So here we go with the uh, shipyard uh, pumpkinhead, and that is the name of it. Is pumpkinhead, right? Pumpkinhead. Now, maybe you don't want to pour it in on your old one. No, no. no I think it'd be fine. All right. Well, They're I got both a little. Be pumpkin. I got a little too much left, so we'll have to separate it uh, there. Now, this one I can already tell you much lighter in color than the Carbach Crunkin' Pumpkin. And it almost looks like a pale ale, uh, color-wise, or maybe I like even a smell pumpkin in this. Very interesting, and it does say pumpkin head in mm-hmm. the name. So, um, very interesting. So, Shipyard Brewing Company, uh, Portland, Maine, and uh, what do you think? You've taken first not drink. what I expected at mm-hmm. all. All right, especially this, after the crunken pumpkin, huh? This instead of having the big pumpkin flavor, this tastes like a great pumpkin pie crust. Oh, you are so like right. This, this is uh, that's a is great fun. descriptor. It really is. Now, this I would not have expected this. No, I wasn't expecting that. There's graham cracker in there almost. Like yes, it it does have a graham cracker flavor, particularly uh, Ian from <laughs> from the IPA that I was describing, which was so big and like right. in your face. And this is this is much more subtle. And I'm expecting the shipyard brews to be, like I said, really big. And this is like. 
This is like, okay, you guys can do the pumpkin. Now, I wonder if we mix the crunken pumpkin. And <laughs> if the we have a whole pie. If it would be a perfect pumpkin pie. We might have to try that before the show is over. <laughs> because you're right, this tastes like this the crust. This tastes just like the crust. This is fantastic. You really I, I can that, drink this. You really pull that graham cracker flavor. Like, yeah, out. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's so right there. There's some mm-hmm. vanilla and some other spices, but the graham cracker, it just tastes like, and a little buttery almost. Now, you know? What, what's interesting is that the... The headless horseman um, on the label with the pumpkin head—he's kind of a mean-looking pumpkin. Whereas the the Carbot Crunkin' Pumpkin, he just looks like you know your best buddy after he's had a few too many. <laughs> so you would expect this to be—I I think this is the friendlier of the two brews, right, if right. you will. So so the the artwork may be a little misleading on this because it looks like it's going to be big and bold, and instead it's just like. Uh, it kind of creeps up on you in its that own graham cracker way. So surprisingly good. Mm, yeah, it really is. That really is. That's so both these beers are very good, and I will before the end of the show. I will pour a couple of them together and see if we come up with a perfect pumpkin pie. Because you know it's kind of like when you do the, um, you know, the different uh, like the black and tans, something right, like that. Right, right. This could totally this will work. Be our this beer could be, cocktail. This could be the orange and orange, uh, and it could be our perfect beer cocktail. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that's very nice. I like that. I like that very much. So we have a lot of beers to taste today because we've gone the seasonal route to do the Halloween show, and we'll certainly, I'm sure, hear more Halloween sound effects from Ian's uh, little uh, sound effect machine on his phone. And uh, we also have some Day of the Dead tequila. We'll be tasting the uh, Skelly Añejo. And uh, what else do we have? Oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to talk to Robert Licorice next. Robert, this isn't a Halloween thing, but Robert is from Iron Root Distilling, and we. Have a chance to chat with him for a little while at the Whiskeys of the World event in Houston. Time for a sound effect? Go ahead. Yeah, so that works. That works. Um, that's not what Robert sounded like. He was a very uh, very entertaining guy, and they're doing some really <laughs> cool things <laughs> at Iron Root Distilling. So we're really looking forward to uh, to uh, chatting with him, and I, I'm... <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm going to go get some Iron Root. Yes. That was good. Yes, yes. That was really, really good. So uh, so we'll t- that segment's coming up. And then when we come back, uh, more uh, holiday tasting and the top five Halloween drinking games. Looking forward to that. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. This is Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We are live at Whiskeys of the World, and we are proud to welcome Mr. Robert Licorice. Robert is with Iron Root. Robert, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not familiar with Iron Root at all, so I'm going to ask you to start us at the very beginning. Stage all right. Up. Well, we're a very young distillery. We're about okay. just over two years old. Where are you located? Uh, Denison, Texas, or so ah. about an hour north of okay. Dallas. So yep. Yep. Barely Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately... You were able to make it on the Texas side of the Texas-Oklahoma border, right? Some of the proudest Texans are the ones right on the border because they want to know you're not from Oklahoma. (laughs) They're not from Oklahoma. So tell us a little bit about the distillery. Uh, You said you're fairly young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a couple years old. Kind of our story starts back. uh, My brother and I are the distillers and owners at the distillery. Also, we'll see my mother running around. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's that's fantastic. She's probably the best salesperson I have. She she. There's nothing, no person that can sell like your mother. I can tell you that. Um, Uh, So we, uh, I guess, this whole process started a number of years ago uh, when I was graduating from law school and I was like, I do not want to be a lawyer, but I really love whiskey, so what can I do? So I actually went and started interning at distilleries. So I was mentored by the guys down at Balcones from around 2011, 2013, so 
have a Texas whiskey kind of heritage going on. Yes. Um, and then from that, we went and studied under Hubert Germain Rabon. He's a master cognac distiller. Um, he actually, he's out in California now. Um, and he kind of taught us a lot about the French techniques, how they do some of their aging and stuff like that. So we kind of have a combination of some of the techniques that have been kind of pioneered in Texas and some old world techniques from France that we kind of combine. Interesting. Nice. nice. So uh, I see we have three bottles we do. Uh, sitting here. Are there three different whiskeys in your line three, at this point? Three different whiskeys in the lineup. Uh, all been released this year. So they're I- all... Uh, it can be between a year and four months to just over two years old as far as the whiskeys in the bottle. They all so. have very epic names. <laughs> yes, You can thank are. my brother for and that. I, and I don't use the word epic as in, like, you know, the latest way of uh, Well, when of you're usage. talking about hubris, harbinger, and promethean. Yes. Uh, those, <laughs> are not, those are not <laughs> little huge, words, right? you know? So you got to be committed to have those names. Yeah, and I say... Having epic names for a really young whiskey, I think it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it really and is. that's when we felt where we we're putting out whiskey and started submitting stuff to competitions. We were like, well, it's kind of ballsy to release a whiskey this young and expect to win anything or mm-hmm. to think you could win anything. I, so. I love the bottle. The bottle looks so beautiful. Yes, as well, well it's a very definitely the bottle and the whole vibe that it gives off support. The you know ballsy name, uh, but you do have to be able to back that up. Obviously, you know oh, you yeah. can't you can't call a you can't call your whiskey uh, harbinger and then not have it bring it. You know right, what I mean? Right. Uh, so so where do the names come from and what's the Tell us what the differences are between these three whiskeys. Right. So my brother is a big fan of, I guess, SAT vocabulary. So he, uh, <laughs> I have to credit him for all the names. Again, he's starting to get in a really almost like Greek mythology style name. So he's got mm-hmm. a couple other names lined up for some of the whiskeys down the line even. And just he loves bigger, bold, brash names. Again, kind of inspiration from that, I'd say, some of the stuff that Compass Box is doing um, where they have really bold or really fanciful names. And that's right, kind of... Right. Kind of what we do as well. Um, so I'll start you off with, so uh, Promethean is our kind of flagship whiskey. It's actually coming out the end of October, beginning of November, depending on where you are in the state. It's actually our first whiskey that's going to get out of the DFW area, which is why you've never heard awesome. of us. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So this is our first foray, foray into the rest of the state. So we tried it here in Houston first. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So this guy, all of our whiskeys are high proof. Um, he's going to be 103 proof. 103 um, for the Promethean. So okay. we, in particular, we focus on heirloom varietals of grain. You yeah, just turn it. Yeah, uh, yep, you got the little label yeah, there. there. There you go. go. I thought you popped it earlier. Here we go. There. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh. I think we got a little of that. All right. That so, sounded good. So this is your uh, this is your uh, your baseline. Uh, Our baseline. I, I never like that term because it seems like you're, it's almost like, okay, we'll get to the good stuff <laughs> later. But, you know, but it, definitely this is your, uh, this is your uh, most common or, uh, or I guess your normal whiskey, is that right? Right, this one yeah. will be the one that's most common from mm-hmm. year to year. Right, um, right. We'll have the most of this particular whiskey. Um, so this guy is going to be a combination of four different types of corn and then just a small amount of rye. Love uh, it on the nose. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah we uh, really focus a lot on heirloom varietals of grain. So mm-hmm. this guy's got a red corn called Bloody Butcher Corn, a purple corn that actually originates in South America. It's actually a high-elevation cold-weather corn. Wow. It's one of the few grains we use that's not from Texas. Uh, then we use uh, a actual flint corn, and then which is a popcorn, uh, ironically, and then a little bit of yellow dent, and then a small amount of rye from Oklahoma. 
Wow, so I, I feel cool. like I can almost smell the rye in it. Mm-hmm. It has an almost spicy kind of nose to it. Does, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, it's not like a distinct, like a lot of the ones we've tried today have been very vanilla or cinnamon mm-hmm. right up front. Mm-hmm. This is not that. It's a. It's more of a whiskey whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could go with that. I don't, I don't even know what exactly it is, but it's very good. Wow. We, we also use a lot of European oak, which is where you're going to see it's a, European oak is quite a bit different from American oak as far as flavor profile. So you see a lot, instead of a lot heavier on the vanillas and caramels, you're going to see a lot more baking spice and that type of stuff too. A lot it's more interesting tannic. because we talked to so many of the uh, Scottish um, whiskeys, mm-hmm. and they're bringing in the American oak barrels. That's right. That's and right. you're bringing over European oak barrels. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, <laughs> such, a, such an interesting thing. Swapping back and forth. Uh, I was going to ask you, for, for a young distillery, is it difficult finding the right uh, barrels and casks to, to age things in because we're hearing that, you know, because of the the surge in craft whiskeys and, and the the sort of upward movement of the whole area of uh, the beverage industry, that people are kind of fighting over the casks and barrels now. It, it is definitely true. It's very <laughs> difficult to get barrels right now, especially about two years ago was with the height of what I would call the barrel shortage. Yeah. And the big barrel producers like Independent Stave, you couldn't get on the list to get their barrels. So that's... One of the reasons that we started looking at European oak, because that was one way that we could actually get barrels from Independent Stave, who I consider to be probably the best barrel maker in the United States. Interesting. Um, then they, they, again, provide barrels for a lot of the big guys as well. Um, again, we focus a lot on lighter chars as well. So it's a, generally we're going to use char one and then different toast profiles, which is something that they've just started developing over the last five, six years. So you see... Like the double oak from um, from Woodford is actually one of the first whiskeys on the market to start using some of these um, light char toasted barrels. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, what I, did you change when you went then from the Promethean to uh, what's the next one up in the line? Next is one it up, Harbinger. Uh, we can do Harbinger next. Next. Okay. So, so I just want to point out before we uh, mm-hmm. before we move on from the Promethean. That one little thing that I was trying to figure out, I think it's raisin. There's almost mm-hmm. a little bit of raisin to that. See, I was going to say cinnamon, but you, you've you nailed it. It isn't cinnamon. It's, it's more raisin. It's a spicy yeah. raisin almost. But there was a bit of a, a spicy sweetness that I was thinking was uh, cinnamon, but you're right. It's more. It's definitely more raisin. Huh? Okay, sorry. Back to no. the herbiger. <laughs> Sometimes it comes to me yeah. after I've oh, had it no. in my mouth for a while. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. See, I just... Had another swallow. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely right. So the Harbinger is uh, what's different about it from the Promethean? So it is cast strength. So it's actually 116. Oh, okay. Proof. So. so one of the unique things about where we are in Texas, being up right around the Red River, is our climate up there. We actually see something that you don't see very often in the United States. We actually get a reduction in proof in barrel. So we'll start. We actually start our whiskeys off going into barrel about. 120, 118, somewhere around in there. And mm-hmm. over the years, you'll lose a percentage, about a percentage a year, um, percentage and a half, depending on where it is in the warehouse. Uh, so you see, that's a lot more common in Scotch distilleries to see a reduction in proof over time. Sure. So, um, Ian, you, you took a first uh, sniff of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Thoughts? No, right out of the bottle. I wasn't noticing it uh, on my nose all that much uh, from the bottle itself. So in the glass, I pick up a lot. That one has a lot of cinnamon. Too. Oh, yeah. So this one's actually a completely different blend profile from uh, Promethean. So Promethean focuses on a lot of sweeter, uh, sweeter, higher protein corns. Uh, from, uh, Harbinger actually is going to have a lot more of the red corns in it. So which, these don't start from the same di- uh, uh, so distillate, we, right? So we actually, uh, we're a little bit, I guess, Four Roses-ish. We actually have 10 different mash bills that we use at the distillery. 
and then we're actually going to do blends, the different blends to create the different profiles. Wow. Interesting. As far as what we're going to do. So, so this is really, um, it's really like almost like uh, the the distiller is almost more like a chef in this case, <laughs> right? Because I would say so. You're combining all of these things to come at these different flavors as opposed to just saying, okay, here's our basic distillate and we're going to sort of like take it from there and age it in different things in different ways to get the Correct. flavors. This is really all about, which for a young whiskey, I guess, makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. because you can come up with more variety in your line that way than having to wait, you know, uh, if you were strictly relying on the aging, it would take you a while before you would begin to have these differences in mm -hmm. the whiskeys. As a uh, young distillery, are you already looking forward to having, say, an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old or uh, things like that? I Definitely we're looking at it, excited about on some of the older whiskeys. Again, what we released this year was probably about 20% of what we made in our first year. So we still have 80% of that year still in warehouse. Oh, wow, aging, that's a lot. Aging it up. Um, that being said, Texas, again, is a really unique climate, um, and we have a ton of angel share here. Again, we are gonna we average generally around 10 to 15% angel share in a given year. Wow. So um, so that means we have a lot of extraction from the wood. That's why you see the whiskeys are fairly dark, um, even at such a young age. But we're having to try to find ways to combat a little bit of the over-extraction and a very quick extraction. Right. So for our corn whiskeys and some of the other whiskeys, we're actually going to move from new cask or not for the corn whiskey starts out in a used cask. But some of these other whiskeys that we're doing are actually going to be put into older casks as they age. It's, a, again, a very French technique for style for aging. Uh, so hubris, um, the corn whiskey you're going to see has a progression, whereas the bourbons are going to stay in the single cask. Yeah, I was um, going to say, we've got a moment left in the segment here so let's talk about the hubris um mm -hmm. how does this one differ now from what we've uh, had so far so hubris is going to be a single mash bill we don't we didn't okay. blend in several mash bills this one's going to be our purple corn mash bill with uh your exclusive european oak on it so wow so whereas the other ones are going to have 30 percent american oak this, this is, is all european all oak. european Interesting. oak so so uh, you'll find it's again for 117 proof it's actually pretty soft that's really interesting and it's going to be interesting to me you know, the difference between the European and the American barrels, to be able to actually physically taste uh, mm -hmm. something that's all European, I, I don't know if I know of another whiskey off the top of my head that's in all European barrels. Uh, there's uh, none that I know of. You see, I guess Balcones is probably the only other distillery I know of that uses any amount of European oak. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we use it quite a bit. Again, it is our, our primary oak that we're using at the well, distillery. this is remarkably different from the first mm -hmm. year, wouldn't you say? You know, I have to say that Hubris has a smoothness to it. That, it really does. That really, I mean, it is on the palate. It starts off sweet at the beginning. It's sweet in the middle, and it's got a sweet aftertaste <laughs> and very little heat overall to it. Oh, yeah. Um, even being as big as it is at 117.8 proof. <laughs> so I did put a little bit of water in there, however. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a... That's probably that's my favorite thing. of the three. They're that's all good. That's one, huh? yes. that's probably my favorite of the three, and that's the corn whiskey. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of my favorite. It's our, our baby because again, we get to play around with corn whiskey a lot more than bourbon. Bourbon's got very strict rules how it can age. Uh, the corn whiskeys, we get to start in, again playing around with that progressive aging where we can move it from cask to cask. Um, we also play around by changing the proof in the barrel of it over time as well. So we can add water or allow the you know, allow that proof to come down because you have different extraction from different proofs because different 
different molecules are water soluble, different ones are alcohol soluble. So that lower proof that you get, you can actually pull out a lot of the vanillins, a lot of the, the lighter ones at lower proof. So that's why back in the day, bourbon was put in the barrel at 105 proof. Um, and it wasn't at the 125 that right, it is today. Right. Robert Licorice with Iron Root. This is uh, some excellent whiskey. You're available in the Dallas-Fort Worth area now, now. And you said you're going to be uh, coming out in some of the rest of the state uh, the very shortly? Houston, Austin, San Antonio will get a uh, will get a pallet each starting at beginning of November. So Okay. Fantastic. So just in time for the holidays. There you uh, go. Give your give your friends some iron root. It, it's a perfect idea. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us. This is some very impressive uh, whiskey for a young distillery. Love it. Thank you very much. I appreciate Thanks it, so guys. Much, Robert. Thank you. You're listening to the very spooky Halloween edition of Sip, Smoke, and Savor. And my name is Cruz. This is Ian Barry. And uh, I will tell you an embarrassing secret. When I was a, uh, a kid, I used to uh, put this. <laughs> this is the old Elton John from Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Uh, funeral for a friend and love lies bleeding. I used to play this. I'd put my stereo speaker to the window. So it would play. I'd play it over and over when kids would come up to trick or treat at my house <laughs> when I was like a, a teenager. So, uh, so yeah, as a bit of a geek was as if I'm not still now. Uh, it's sip, smoke, and savor. We are enjoying uh, some really fine uh, beverages. We want to say thanks again uh, to the guys from Iron Root Distilling for being on the show when we were out at Robert Licorice was with us when we were uh, out at the Whiskeys of the World. We just played that back for you, and I lo- he was such a cool guy. Yes, and that whiskey was terrific. Yes, yeah, just terrific. Whiskey, I'm, good. I'm looking forward to buying some of that. Now, here's what I did buy this week. I didn't buy any whiskey, but I did buy a bottle a bottle of tequila uh, because Skelly here is our. Uh, I, as as Ian knows, I have a real uh, passion for the Day of the Dead artwork, and and I have a, a little sort of Day of the Dead shrine at my house. It's not weird or anything. It's just I just like the art. And um, no, it's my weird. wife, it's my weird. it's weird. Okay, yeah. my wife got me for my birthday a really cool Day of the Dead smoking a cigar uh, skeleton guy who I've named Pablo. I saw that. And he's awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I was looking for something else to go like on that table with him and I had seen this in the, uh, in the store in Specs and had not bought it because I was worried that it was a really cool bottle but the tequila might not be that good. And then I decided we'll try it and find out. So this is the, uh, the tequila. It's a spirit we'll taste on the show today for Halloween and it's the Los Azuelos Skelly Añejo. Hola, mi nombre es Kelly. Ooh, good, good sound effect there. That's that's uh, that just was, so you know the 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 cork to this is attached to the base of the skull. So right. I'm actually so it's like you're his pulling head his head off when you when you open up the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> to make that uh, happen. So I I, I got to tell you, I'm I have high hopes. I'm really hoping this is good. Like I'm really hoping it's not a subpar tequila. Because the packaging is so awesome, it smells yeah. good. There is other tequila, um, you know, some other brands that come in the skull, and there's some Day of the Dead skull uh, things that look pretty cool. But this was like the full. This is the torso of the skeleton, and then his head, and it actually comes with a little hat. And in fact, the different, uh, the differently aged uh, tequilas, each one has a different hat. One has a uh, a bandana. One has a, a different uh, sort of a sombrero hat, and this guy has the big blue uh, suede sombrero. So first sniff, what do you think? It smells like tequila. It's actually very smooth. Mm-hmm. Have you already tasted? Yes, oh, it's actually okay. very smooth. 
Mm. Like, this is actually alarmingly smooth. <laughs> I know what you mean when you say alarm. Ooh, that's good. So, so I love tequila. I, I particularly like um, something that's got a little aging to it. And so, comparing this to wow, I it's like, like this buttery a, vanilla. I on like the this a lot. Aftertaste on so this too. It's got a great sort of a añejo tequila aftertaste that lingers with you after you swallow. And then as that starts to fade, you get a second yeah. aftertaste. And that is almost creamy and, like you said, almost buttery. Yeah, and it's, there's a little bit of heat that goes along mm-hmm, with it that's like mm-hmm. in a nice way, not an unpleasant way. Mm. It does not have a lot of heat at all in the beginning. No, almost none at the front. Almost none at the front. You're like, well, this is a little too smooth, like mm-hmm. you said. A little dangerously smooth. And you get a little bit of heat on the Oh, this is very interesting because I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head of any other tequila I've tried that has this second aftertaste to it. No, this is really like quite good. It's really good. And see, I was You're so my boy, worried. Skelly. I was so worried because I because I thought you know it's a very cool bottle, but what if it's just if that's the gimmick? You yeah, know? if that's it. Yeah, if if it's like a an okay tequila. I've, I've had tequila that's price, come out yeah. of a skull shaped yeah uh, thing that was not. That was not that impressive. good. Well, this is this is actually really good. Yeah, this is Skelly, my Skelly, friend. Skelly's got it going on. Here. This is this is good enough that you could keep drinking a lot of it, and by the end of the evening, you'd be talking to Skelly a lot. You know, <laughs> this is you and me, bud, against the world. Just you and me. I always I liked you. I don't care what everybody says. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite good, Ian. That's that's really good. So, so while we're doing a little Halloween drinking here, I thought we would pass along to you. This is just from an article uh, that I found, and, and to be honest, having looked through it, some of these games are quite silly, but maybe that's what works for like a Halloween drinking game because Halloween is the silliest of holidays. You're generally. You know, at someone's house dressed up in a costume that it's you didn't really want to. It's hard to really be in a bad to... mood when you're dressed up like the dude. Well, <laughs> and, and that's your that's your Halloween costume, right? <laughs> that's a, I've done that before, yeah. So you're a guy that, I mean, you go to the Renaissance Festival and you, you know, dress up a little bit for that. Not like hardcore. You're not in like nice. My, my wife armor, dresses but, up for that. However, yeah. she bought me a kilt the last time I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm expected to, <laughs> this is in air quotes, dress up. Mm-hmm, so I have to find mm-hmm. like a... Motorhead shirt to wear with my kilt. Motorhead and a kilt. I like it already. Well, um, you're right though. It's hard. To, it's hard to be. It's hard to not be happy when you're in a sort of a silly. Yeah. You know, I've done. I've done the. You know, the uh, sloppy Vegas Elvis uh, for uh, awesome. for a Halloween costume. That was a lot of fun. Had to I, put, had to wear a wig though. It was a little uncomfortable. I did a Halloween gig once dressed as a uh, dressed as a ladybug. Yeah. Oh, as a ladybug. Yeah, I was, really? I was a ladybug. Yeah, my. Uh, one of my most memorable Halloweens, back when he was a thing, it was like right after he died, I went uh, to a Halloween party dressed as Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. Remember that dude? <laughs> uh, so I just had like the khaki outfit on and stuff, but I had like little rubber alligators and snakes and stuff all like attached to it like I was, you know, being like I was crawling with, with critters. And I remember it, but I was wearing shorts and I was in Boston and it was literally 10 degrees <laughs> that That'll night. Get your attention. And so I'm like, so I'm suffering for the art right and i get to this halloween party and nobody else is in costume i'm like <laughs> what i dressed up for you guys what are you talking about well so but, you uh, said suffering for your art the last yes. time i went out dressed as the dude i actually did drink white russians all night oh that's suffering, suffering for your art right for there art. it really is well here's a couple of uh, halloween classic uh, games for you and uh, and you might want to play these at your halloween party uh, the first one is alcoholic apple bobbing. And so the way that this works is you come up with some sort of alcohol punch 
for like a washing bowl or something or whatever whatever you can use whatever you can afford to fill basically uh, for the bobbing <laughs> and then you take apples and you carve numbers into the side of the apples so that that's not necessarily visible when people go in to you know, bob for the apple so first of all they're bobbing for the apple in alcohol punch and then the apples basically soaked with the punch and then when they get the apple, they, of course, have to eat it. But before they eat it, they have to take a look at how what the number is. And that's the number of shots they have to do. Ah. So that's the way the drink Out of the works, alcoholic yes. punch that you just stuck your face into? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, well, no, no, no. No, of, of whatever. Oh, okay. I mean, of you skelly. Could, you could make it that way or you could make it skelly. That's right. Skelly would be much more, uh, much more entertaining. Now, here's one I like. Um, uh, this is the trick or treat shot. Um, idea, and basically you make uh, you make labels to cover non see through cups, so or or you use just like a solid cup, but uh, you you put shots in them so people can't tell what they are, and basically there's six of them, and three of them you put a trick shot, and in three of them you put a treat shot. So uh, players have to roll a dice. Uh, drink whatever number shot they land on. You have to mix up the the uh, shots from time to time as they're being refilled. Half the fun, they say, is not knowing whether it's apple sours or gin in, uh, in the cup. <laughs> so you don't know whether you're getting the- I was going to ask, what constituted a trick shot and well, what constituted there, a treat there shot? there are some fairly nasty shots <laughs> This I've is had. just vermouth. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's some fairly nasty shots I have. Some of that stuff that's like so sweet, you know, yeah. that's the just like, ugh. Uh, so that's another one thing. Then there's the wrap a mummy game, and this one's basically uh, you divide into pairs or teams. You use a roll of toilet paper. You wrap one of the members of the team as speedily as you can in toilet paper, like a toilet paper mummy, and the fastest to wrap their mummy wins. And either the other team has to drink or the winner has to drink, depending on how you you know how you line it up and what kind of a Halloween party that that you're going to have. So I, I see I see wrapping criteria arguments going mm-hmm. on there. Oh, oh totally. <laughs> and, and, then, and especially when people are trying to hope and no, I win, I win. So here is uh is is the witch game. Um and like this one's really stupid but I'll pass it along anyway. So let's say it's you and me and Bobby playing the witch game, Okay. Right? All right. So I would start I would point at you and I would say Ian, this is the witch and you would say the what and I would say the witch and you go, "Oh, the witch." And then you point at somebody else. So you point at Bobby and you go, Bobby, this is the witch. And he would say, the what? And then you would have to say, the what? And then I would have to say, the it, the point of the game is it gets confusing because every time you have to add the what? The witch. The what? The witch. So that by the time you've done this five or six times, you're having trouble remembering how many times you have to say it. And this is where the hilarity apparently ensues. So, uh, finally, Zombie Witch Ghost. Uh, it's a game to get people drinking. It involves three actions and optional sound effects. That's why I thought you would like this one. Ah. Um, so, you do three characters. Zombie is basically with your arms out in front of you, like mm-hmm. uh, like like a zombie. Witch is like pointed hands on the top of your head, like the A from YMCA. Uh, and then Ghost, you wave your arms by your sides and wiggle and make appropriate noises. So, basically, the game master shouts one, two, three, and on the count of three... Everybody that's playing does one of those three. So you have to do this with a fairly large group. So is this is this like a paper, rock, scissors kind, kind of Kind of, because who, whichever of the three the most people do, those people are all eliminated, and they either must go drink or they don't get to partake of the drink, again, depending on how you When we come back, I'll tell it. you my favorite game. Fair enough. And we will be tasting more beers, and I'm going to have some more of the Skelly. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave.
Welcome back to Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the show that's all about uh, craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, uh, my partner Ian Barry. Uh, Ian, you mentioned uh, before we went to break that you had a, a, a favorite Halloween drinking game of your own. Well, I don't know if it's a Halloween drinking game, but what okay. you do, it's called Edward Forty Hands. Edward Forty Hands. That's where like you get two 40-ounce bottles of your favorite malt beverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. Old E eight hundred. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Ed, something. Ed, you know. Something along those yeah, lines. Edward Forty Hands. I and, like. And it. you you put some gloves on and you tape the gloves and the beers to your hand and you can't remove them until after you've finished both of these. Ah, this is a drinking game. All right. Wow. That that's that's actually a little frightening. And so there's maybe, a point. Maybe there's a is. point to the game and a way to win, yeah. but I have no idea what it is because after you're done with that. <laughs> You know, you don't remember either. <laughs> well, it is a little frightening, and so that does qualify, I think, as a Halloween drinking game. So. Also can be called 80s night. A- 80s night, because you got two 40s. Oh, God, 80s, I right. totally got it. I totally got it. Uh, you know, Usually you need a disco ball for well, that. Well, you know, Edward Edward 40 Hands is a little bit on the horror-ish <laughs> side, so, that, so that'll so work. Uh, that'll work very well. All right, we have three more um, beers that we want to try here. A couple of ales. And a stout, all uh, with the autumn theme. Ian, the first one is Rogue, correct? The Rogue Pumpkin Patch Ale. All right, and this comes in a bomber, and it's an orange bomber, so you, you can't miss this one on the show. We could change it to Ed, Edward Bomber Hands. Edward Bomber Hands. I'm liking it better See? already. It doesn't not as, have to be old either. Not as scary, but I'm liking it better. <laughs> and, you know, with uh, with so many of the bombers being uh, high ABVs. That's right. You may, uh, you may get just as wasted as the 40s, so, if not more so. <laughs> All right, so there we go. That was the rogue um, uh, opening up. What is it? The tell aroma the, of pumpkin hits the air. Tell me the name of this again. That. This is the rogue the pumpkin uh, patch. Pumpkin patch ale, correct? Ale. All right, pumpkin patch ale. This is a. This is in a bomber. It's orange colored, and the actual beer itself, um, not as dark as the uh, first one we tried, the crunken pumpkin. Definitely darker than. The uh, shipyard, uh, not head. too far off the color of the bottle. Yeah, it itself. does actually look almost <laughs> like the same. It's like they're color coordinated, which is uh, which is a pretty cool thing. So definitely a strong pumpkin. Not not in a bad way, but you definitely get yeah, a it's whiff fragrant. Of the pumpkin you can smell you, it like the second I popped the cap. Yeah. This is more what I expected the shipyard to taste like and smell like, and this is more of a I guess a traditional uh, pumpkin ale. Would you say, uh, Ian? Yes, it is, uh, but it's not so pumpkiny and sweet as you'd expect. And I got to tell you, after the uh, after Skelly, mm-hmm. it goes well. It really kind of does, yeah. doesn't it? If you can take a few, <laughs> those uh, flavors complement each other. Take a few other. sips of the Skelly and then throw back some of this. This is a, now. I have to say this: I didn't really expect to enjoy these pumpkin beers as much as I'm enjoying them. Like I, I enjoy I enjoy tasting almost any kind of beer. Right. But there are several of these. I'm like, yeah, I could stay with this for a little while. Yeah, this know? one this one I can definitely sit down and drink. It's that's mm-hmm. definitely sessionable. Mm-hmm. So it is the again the rogue pumpkin patch uh, pumpkin ale. patch ale. And you may remember, and it would have been a good one for a Halloween show, ex- except we'd already tried the rogue dead guy ale, which that's was right. a classic one, ale. which we both enjoyed, and it was really good. The rogue farms. Uh, logo on the back says this rogue was brewed using ingredients. Was brewed. I haven't had that much tequila. Uh, was brewed using ingredients grown on rogue farms in Oregon from ground to glass. We're proud to say it's a true taste of rogue terroir, which is a term you hear much more in wine circles than in right. uh, than in beer circles. Uh, and then they say to go uh, to learn more about rogue farms and the grow your own revolution. You can visit them online at rogue.com. That tastes so. like a good beer that has. 
a little bit of pumpkin and spice. It, in it says that it's brewed with fresh pumpkins grown at Rogue Farms. They're picked, loaded into the truck, driven immediately 77 miles to the brewery in Newport, Oregon, quickly roasted and pitched into the brew kettle. It actually says that pitched, pitched. into the brew kettle. So <laughs> that must be that must be a fun day when they're uh, when they're making the pumpkin ale. That's good. Pumpkin patch ale from Rogue ale brewed with uh, ale brewed with Rogue Farms. Pumpkins. What's so next? To you? I have here in my hand La Parcella. La Parcella. Yeah, La Parcella. Yeah. Number one pumpkin ale. It says right there on the mm-hmm. label. Mm-hmm. So you can't mistake that for number two. Right. And that would be a shame yeah. if you mistook <laughs> it for number two. Uh, so uh, what do you think we're dealing with here? Did you get this at. Uh, at your uh, friendly neighborhood DNQ, I did actually. I yeah. got all three of these. We've got a third one coming up mm-hmm. here. The third one would be Brandon's choice. That would be the gentleman okay. that curates the place. So this one also an ale, the number one mm-hmm. pumpkin ale. And I'm not familiar with this brewery at all. Are you? I have no idea. Okay. So it's always fun to try something new. Now that has an interesting smell. Yeah. That's not as pumpkiny as you would think. That has a almost a floral kind of fragrance to Very it. Very interesting. Well, you know, you don't expect with pumpkin. You know, I was thinking about pumpkin pie. And the fact that while all pumpkin pie has a similar taste, yeah. not all pumpkin pies taste the same, if that True. makes sense. Like True. there's there's definitely some variation. So I think we can probably expect that in our pumpkin ale as well. And I'm taking a first first sniff of this, first aroma. I don't really get pumpkin at all. Do you? There's almost a fruity kind of smell yeah, to it. Yeah, it really has almost a, Maybe it's more like what a pumpkin would smell like if you were breaking it open to I carve it. it. And oh, so you've just taken a sip. Tell I me get what it. you got. I, I, I want to wait till I see the look on your face when you try this first. That is completely different from what I was expecting. Wow. This is a sour pumpkin ale. It really is, and I like it a lot. Yes, actually, I'm a mm. fan of the sour ales anyway. I enjoy them, although some of them, you know, if they're sour first, I don't like them as much. Does that make sense? Like, if it's all about being sour and not about the balance of the rest of the flavor of the beer, I'm not as interested. This, this has is very well like balanced. right up front, such a bright poppy flavor, mm-hmm. and then it just follows with a sour, mm. delicious. It just leaves my mouth watering for more. That's fantastic. It yeah. reminds me a lot. And I've been meaning to bring one of these in so we could taste it on the show, or maybe we did already. Sometimes I forget, but um, St. Arnold has a uh, a really nice, it's not a sour per se, but it's a, uh, oh man. I'm, I'm, Berliner Weiss? Uh, I think, yes. The yes. Boiler and Room? It's, it's the Boiler it's Room. It's very yes. good, yes. It, it reminds me a little of that, but with a slight pumpkin vibe to it. Yes. And this is a little brighter <laughs> on the front of the mm-hmm. flavor, too. Uh, uh, also quite good, though. I'll, mm-hmm. We might have to play Edward... Um, uh, uh, bomber hands after we get done with the show here and finish up the rest of this. So we so don't have a we, whole lot of time left. We've actually liked everything on at, at least some level, right? Uh, so yes. Far. I actually, uh, so the first one we tried was the Crunkin' Pumpkin. That was the sweetest one out of the batch so far. And, and I was more, expecting it to be the biggest and boldest. And really, it was uh, that's it, it was it was more just like, a kind of a fun little pumpkin ale, right? You know? And that's more like what I expect when I think pumpkin <sighs> ale. I've been very much delighted with all these other ones in the fact that they're not just so sweet. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the Shipyard. Had that graham cracker crust flavor the to it, was outstanding. and then we had uh, uh, the rogue, which was uh, really nice and light. And then the um, the, the La Parcella, La Parcella is is, is the sour, so that's really good. And 
I'm not surprised it doesn't say anything about pumpkin sour on the label because I don't think anyone would buy it. That would be weird. Because like, it you don't sounds weird. Sour pumpkin doesn't sound like something you'd be going after. And it is a little weird, but in a great but way. But I'll tell you, it's great. It's great. So what do you follow a pumpkin sour with? Well, here we have Imperial Pumpkin Smash. And that, I bet, is a stout, isn't by it? By Crown Valley Brewing, and that is mm-hmm. a stout brewed with pumpkin and spices. Mm-hmm. So, All right, Ian. You, you're, uh, you got me curious on this one. This one was this again. One was, this one was Brandon's choice from okay. the this is from recommendation. the Mart. Oh, that's very cool. He put that one up there for us. And if you remember, I talked about him a while back. He had a a beer that he gave us from the brewery. From the brewery that was outstanding. We couldn't stop talking about it. Ooh, interesting. This one's going to be different from all the now, others. Now this one obviously. doesn't hit. Yeah, I don't. I don't smell the big pumpkin on this. You like, smell almost like a pumpkin malt. Oh wow. When you first uh, on the wow, there's like almost a. It's almost like if you could somehow put a malt flavor into a pumpkin pie. That's the smell. Now I haven't tasted it yet. You've just taken first sip. What do you think? This might be one of the most interesting beers I've ever tried. And so, when you say interesting, what is this? Is that good? Is it just good? Good, good, good. Yes, but but uh, you know, interesting doesn't always mean <laughs> one that. You, you're really excited to drink. Where does it? This is does one that I'd probably buy a few of them to show them off because mm-hmm. this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. It has definitely a pumpkin flavor, but it has a bitterness to it, and you can almost—that's kind of what I was smelling. It's ten point six percent alcohol by volume, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that may be that may be higher proof than the Skelly Tequila. Um, this, <laughs> I, I, Ian, I think this is really good. It, it's it's. It's something I want to really like, you know, not to try to play on the name of the show. It's something I find that I really want to savor. I really want to take small yeah. sips of this and really just really enjoy the flavor. And I find myself wanting a cigar really This bad. is, yeah, this would go great with a cigar, but this is also a bottle that you split between two people mm-hmm. and sit down and enjoy a bottle of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know that a whole bottle, because it's very rich. It's not something, yeah, you're not drinking it to quench thirst. Right. You're drinking it for the flavor experience. Yes, yes. Yes, is- yes no question. But it's, but it's far more palatable it's not in it's not bitter in any way it's just very smooth well it it has a bitterness to it but the bitterness passes and leaves you with like the kind of pumpkin spices on the aftertaste in a great way and a warmth to it what's so interesting to me is tasting all of these in one sitting like we've done uh how each one of them has a wildly different pumpkin flavor yeah this has a ton of vanilla in it too. yeah it you really does and, and obviously they all have the probably the same pumpkin flavor, but it's the way the other yeah. flavors sort of begin to mix in with it that makes it uh, that makes it so interesting. Well, happy Halloween, my friend! It's been uh, fun celebrating and doing uh, um, you know doing these beers with you, and really getting getting a feel for um, how autumn ales are supposed to taste. Autumn ales and 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 porters, and and it's well, just happy Halloween. Spoiler for next week, you know the St. Arnold Christmas Ale is out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to be talking about that. We got we got some great shows on the way, and uh, uh, especially if you are a cigar person, we got some great cigar shows coming up. Plus, coming up very soon on the show, and Ian's doing the Thriller Dance, which I love. Um, uh, very soon on the show, we'll teach you how to make the perfect martini, so that's to be looked forward to as well. Have a great week, my friends. We appreciate you listening and downloading. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Uh, it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor with Ian and Cruz. Cheers. Cheers. Something evil's lurking in the dark. I'm at the moonlight. It's 
This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Radio Brave.